0: Let me back up to uh, one of those announcements just a moment ago. This Wednesday night, everybody say this Wednesday night. We'll have Church 2911 Family Thanksgiving. And uh, we can't have Family Thanksgiving unless all the family's here, so we want everybody to be here, all right? And uh, if you're a brand-new newcomer, you don't know anybody, what greater time to uh, get to know everybody than... uh, having something to eat, and enjoying some fellowship together. And uh, we just, listen, we've got a, they've been passing around a, a little sign-up sheet uh, about what to bring. And this is just kind of to make sure we don't have 400 pots of green beans, you know, and that's all we have. But if you don't sign the sheet, bring whatever you want to. You're just asked to bring a dish and a drink, you know, a, a two-liter or a jug of malo sweet tea, my favorite, a jug of malo sweet tea or whatever, you know, that your family likes to drink, you know, but whatever your favorite dish is. And this is really just fellowship and it's important. We, how many of you are busy? Anybody busy in their life? Anybody busy? Busy? Yeah. And it's hard for us to get time for fellowship, right? I mean, it's hard for me. I mean, you know, sometimes i take two or three weeks just trying to plan a lunch with somebody, you know, because we're so busy. And we need this time together. You need this time with uh, other Christians. And so please be here. Seven o'clock. And if you forget, or if you're so busy, you can't even run by Dollar General and pick up a jug of sweet tea. Did I say that was my favorite? If uh, you can't, uh, don't have time to do that, then uh, please come anyway, because it's not about the food. Turn to the person next to you and say, it's not about the food. That's right. It's not about the food. Okay. All right. So last week we started the Thanksgiving sermon series, and I realized I, I learned something that uh, this, in the Early service is that I got way too much stuff to share again, uh, but and especially the the uh, videos at the end. So I'm going to try to be as brief as I can in in the first half of this message because I got some videos to show you in the second half. of This message, I want to introduce you to three missions. Uh, some of you will, are, some of you know of one mission because we've been supporting it for a while. But if you haven't been around here very long, you're gonna you're gonna meet three new missions today, and so we want to in, in introduce those to you. Uh, before we have a word of prayer, let me say this. Uh, this is our mission service today. It's about thanksgiving. You say, well, why, you know, we're giving, you know, you know, why is it? Well, I don't remember who it was that said this, but I saw it again this past week. And uh, actually, I think I, I posted that on my Facebook. And I don't remember who said it, exactly how they said it, but it said, the true measure of thankfulness is how you handle the gift you've received. And so the stuff that we've been given, you know, what do we do with that now? I mean, that's the whole thing about thanksgiving. And so today we're going to talk about missions giving. We need, you need to be involved in missions giving. Uh, I had no intention of uh, when God laid on my heart, you know, new church, new attitude and all that and had no intention of planning a church, raising a church that was not involved in giving missions, that it was all about us. Let's see how big we can get and how much money we can have and how much it always has had to be about missions. And that's why we began giving to missions from the very, the very first offering that we had as Church 2911. We made a missions donation out of that offering. And uh, before we were Church 2911, we've, uh, uh, we've done things like the Christmas shoe boxes, and uh, we're actually going to kick that off again today, beginning today. You've got about two weeks to get that together. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But it's always been about that. Now, during the first service this morning, as Trace was sharing this prayer request that today is International Day of Prayer for uh, the persecuted church, we forget that there's a persecuted church. We're not. We're not persecuted. We're spoiled. There's a persecuted church in another place today, in another country today, and we forget about that. And as he was talking about it, there was a, a special request that was sent to us this morning, which is how we found out about that. And this was about a particular man, Saeed, I believe is his first name, S-A-I-D. He's a Christian in Afghanistan. And as Trey said, this guy, he wasn't preaching. He was just a Christian. And he'd been a Christian for years, but finally somebody got tired of him, and they've had him thrown in jail, and he's been beaten. And unspeakable things have been done to him while he's been in prison. And uh, they've asked for people to pray. They've asked for us to pray. This is just one. And we forget about that. We think, oh, no, that doesn't happen, that doesn't happen in this day and age. It does happen. People are dying today just because they love Jesus Christ. And they've asked, uh, you know, especially Americans, that we would put pressure on because we've been able to get others released. And they've asked us to write letters, call the White House, do what we can, write your congressman, those kinds of things. And, and as, as Trace was talking about that in the early service, I, w- I was convicted as I sat there. You know, um, I think it was this past January, uh, Trace and I, and now Trace wasn't as as my wife, I think she thinks I was rude in this. I've tried not to be rude, but uh, Trace, I don't think Trace was rude, but uh, we started a little boycott of uh, one of our favorite restaurants in town. And I won't eat there hardly anymore, Chili's. You know what they did is they discontinued the sweet chili glaze sauce on their chicken. You can't get it anymore. I mean, it it was the reason to go to Chili's. Somebody called me and said, hey, let's meet at Chili's. I knew what I was getting before I walked out the door. I would call Dave on my way home and say, hey, you need me to stop get something for dinner? I knew what it was going to be. Sometimes she'd talk me out of it because she would get tired of it, you know, whatever. But it's sweet chili. And the problem was, see, they had discontinued the Shanghai sauce, and they replaced it with the sweet chili glaze sauce, which is very similar to the Shanghai sauce, so I was okay. But then they discontinued that, and they didn't give us anything. And, and I asked the manager about it. They said, yeah, a lot of people are upset about it. Y'all just need to keep telling. So you know what? I, I took them on their word. You know, I started emailing. I started calling, you know. I went down there. You know, every time I walk in the door, you got sweet chili glaze sauce back, you know. There were times on Sunday afternoon, you know, our, most our family normally eats together after church and we'd be standing around, where do you want to eat? I don't care. Where do you want? To, I don't care. So I'd pick up the phone. I'd call and say, Hey, do you have sweet chili glaze sauce yet? No. Uh, well, I just wanted you to know, I've got 10 people standing here. I was going to bring them to Chili's if you had the sweet chili glaze sauce. But since you don't, we're going somewhere else. Would you please pass that along to your managers that, you know, and David got where she would, if we went to Chili's, she would say, Now don't you say a word about that sauce that you're missing, you know? And I got convicted sitting there. Because I thought about all that trouble that I went through over some sauce and how little I do for someone who's dying for the name of Jesus Christ in another country. If I can make those kinds of phone calls and, e- and emails, and, and I, can I take some time this week to do the same for Saeed or for someone else? Call the White House. They've got a number. You can call, leave a message. You won't get to talk to the president, not even the vice president, or anybody, but you can leave a message. You can write letters to your congressman. You can call the congressman, leave a message there. This week, I need to be praying. I need to spend spend more time for Saeed than I spent over my sauce. I am stinking, stinking spoiled that I can spend that much time over that and I can't spend that much time praying for somebody. Let's have a word of prayer and let's ask God to please stir us. Would you ask God to convict you just like he did your pastor a little while ago? God, I ask you, God, hear us right now. God, let us be convicted over our spoiled attitudes. God, that we we could could spend days and weeks planning and plotting ways to let people know we're dissatisfied about a sauce and we can't spend a couple of days making a phone call, sending an email, and calling somebody's name out in prayer to you, God, so that you will intervene. God, convict us today of being stinking spoiled. Lord, convict us today God, we said last week that you, get, you have given us too much so that we could share with somebody else. God, those, those somebody else people are not just right here in this room, but, God, they're here in our city, they're here in our country, they're all across the world. And, God, you didn't just give us too much finances. Lord, you gave us too much freedom. More freedom than I can use. I'm not using all my freedoms. God, I ask you, Lord, help me find a way, God, to share that with somebody else. Maybe by challenging and, and demanding from my government that they do something. God, you've given, you've given me more love than, than I deserve, more love than I can hold. Lord, give me an opportunity, some way to share that as well. Convict us today, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. In this word in the scripture, there are two times that Jesus we find out Jesus wept. Okay, he may have prayed may have cried a whole lot of times, but we only know of two times that it mentions it. Now he cried out sometimes, things like that, but he cried or he wept, and this word wept doesn't mean just uh, you know, had a tear. It means he sobbed. Okay, he he boohooed, he mourned over something. You remember when any of the it was most of us remember one, right? Remember that he he wept. I meant the, the little short scripture in John, you know, where it says Jesus wept was about being at the tomb of Lazarus, his friend, when his friend Lazarus died. And Jesus wept. Most of us remember that one, but there's a second time. That's the one I want to bring to your attention today, and it's right here. And it's in Luke chapter 19. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And uh, he's coming down the Mount of Olives. You'll actually read that there. That's what it says. He's coming down. So, and what's important about that, I think, is for us to kind of get a picture. I, I, I like to visualize things. And so Jesus is coming down this this hill, the Mount of Olives, and it's maybe maybe 150 feet or maybe 200 feet, 100 to 200 feet, according to who you talk to and uh, the difference in the elevation. So as he's coming down this hill, he is able to, to have a perspective of viewing over the city of Jerusalem. And as he got near to it, as he's coming down and looking over it, Something happens. He weeps. Now, now, the kind of crying that he's doing is also important. He's not, you know, sometimes you cry because you get to come home, you know, and you get to see your mom or, you know, you cry. This is not a joyful weeping. That's not what he's doing. He, but he's crying over the city. And so we want to talk to you today about four things, four reasons why Jesus cried. And, and, and it's not what I'm saying are the reasons Jesus cried. I mean, he tells us in these next couple of verses Four reasons that he cried over them. Because here's what he said. Now he's speaking, he's actually kind of, uh, praying and talking to Jerusalem as this city. And sometimes I, I lose sight of that and I kind of, I, I kind of, uh, start thinking about the people that were there and he's talking to individual people, but he's really talking about this whole city. And he says, if you had known, so he's talking to Jerusalem, he said, Jerusalem, if you had known, he's crying and he's weeping, even you, especially in this, your day, the things that make for your peace. He he was telling this was your day. And if you had just known the things that I have that would make for your peace. You know, Jerusalem and Israel as a nation as well. But this city of Jerusalem had never really been a place of peace. Uh, if you go back, and, and where I'm at in my personal devotions right now is in the book of Second Kings. I'm getting close to the end of it. And let me tell you, I look at this, and they were not a nation of peace. I mean, they constantly had uh, wars and battles, sometimes even amongst themselves, different tribes, and the, the split kingdom did as well. And they turned their back on God so many times till finally God just pulled back and said, okay, you know, you are going to have to leave you to your own devices, let you kill yourself, let you destroy yourself. And the Assyrians came in, and overthrew the northern kingdoms, and, and, and then the Babylonians came in and overthrew the, uh, the, the southern kingdom, and basically was a world empire at that time. And then the Persians came in, and they overthrew the Babylonians, and the Greeks came in and overthrew the, the, the Persians, and then the Romans came in and overthrew the Greeks. And all this happened around and in, in Jerusalem as well. I mean, Jerusalem was impacted by every one of those things. And this is where we, we find Jesus. I mean, he's now in the Roman Empire. That's why there are Romans around. Is they were the ones in control. So Jesus had seen all of this, and he's looking at them and saying, "But I'm your Prince of Peace, and you don't even see it. You don't even know if you had just." And he's weeping over them. And so I, I got this question for you because see, here's here's the thing that Jesus Jesus did is is he didn't just. Change the channel. He couldn't change the channel. You and I, what do we do? I mean, we watch the evening news. We see famine. We see uh, pestilence and disease. And, and we see uh, tsunamis that are wiping out half a tribe. And we see earthquakes that are wiping out the economy of an entire nation, Haiti, you know. And people dying. And we see that. And what do we do? We turn it off and go sit down at the table and have our roast beef and mashed potatoes. Amen? Or oh me? But Jesus couldn't do that. I mean, he's standing here looking at it. Why? Because he was not an uninterested bystander. This was his mission. This was the reason that he came. And he's standing there coming down this mountain. He's looking over Jerusalem. These people that he had been in and out of the city over and over again. And he'd been sharing the peace that he wanted to bring to them. And, 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 then, and instead of them embracing it, you know, they, they couldn't embrace it. And he, he could not just, just turn away and forget about it and go on with his day. And so it made him weep. And so here's the question I have for you. How long has it been? Since you weeped, I mean, since you wept, how long has it been since you cried, since you, since you, you had tears in your eyes because of one of these stories? And my goodness, how many more kids can go missing in America and we find out somebody in their family killed them and hid their body? And, and and do you cry anymore about it? Or do you just say, tis, 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 another one of those and change the channel or turn it off and go on? You know, we've, we've got to get, where we can break again over the, the problems and the trouble and the turmoil that's happening in this world. Come on, we're, we're supposed to be the Christians. We're supposed to be the ones with the heart of God. We, we're supposed to see what Christ saw and say, well, wait a minute, God wants to bring peace into your world, not this turmoil. How long has it been since you cried? Don't answer. It's rhetorical, or It's something just for you to answer in your own heart. And so then he goes on right here at the end of it. He says, but now they are hidden from your eyes. The other thing that made him cry was they were blinded. I mean, here was, who was he? He was the Prince of Peace, but he also was the light of the world. He he came to bring them light into their darkness. Uh, You know, uh, most people call that little span of time about 400 years between the Old Testament ending and the New Testament beginning, a time of darkness or a time of silence, because there there was no open word given. There was no new revelation. You ever had all these prophets and all this stuff going on in the Old Testament, and then boom, nothing happens for 400 years. And then like, man, it's like, uh, and I heard one, uh, one minister described it this way as like a, 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 musical just started all of a sudden. I mean, you got angels singing in heaven about Jesus and you got shepherds coming and wise men. You know, it's like this big Christmas cantata. John the Baptist is out in the wilderness, you know, yelling, prepare the way of the Lord. And all this has happened for 40 years. They've had nothing. And now Jesus comes on the scene and he goes in and he's, he's preaching and he's teaching. He's healing people. He's, he's, uh, uh He's opening deaf ears. He's healing blinded eyes. He's raising people from the dead. You know, he's doing all. This. He's feeding five thousand families with just one little boy's lunch, and all these things are happening. You know, and he's bringing the light back into all the darkness that they've had for all this time. Yet they can't see it because of their blindness. You know, they they ignored all through the Old Testament. Got another question for you right here. They they ignored the the prophets and those things. But Jesus came, and and he wasn't done. On this day, he wasn't yet done. With all this stuff going on, he was about to die before their eyes, and he was going to be resurrected on the third day. You know, what he was doing is he was saying, you've ignored God up to this point, but you're not going to ignore this. I and mean, what I'm about to do, you're not going to ignore. And, you know, you could go nowhere in Palestine and mention the name Jesus of Nazareth. And people say, and people say, who are you talking about? Everybody knew he was, Because you know, they could still say no, but they couldn't say, I didn't know. They could not ignore what he did. Now, here's the question I've got for you. Is your life for Christ ignorable by the people around you? Is your brand of Christianity Ignorable. Can people just, just ignore you and not even realize that you're a Christian? You know, I guess another way to ask this question is this, is when we get to the judgment seat and, and the gifts are handed out or that other judgment seat where, where, you know, they open the books and they had turned and say, your name's not written and you're going to have to be cast in the lake of fire for eternity. And that happens. I wonder if there are any people who live around you right now today that when they, when they see you at the right hand of Christ, they're going to say, you are a Christian? Is your life ignorable? You know, because here's the thing I think is, I think if if people around you can ignore your Christianity, I think the reason is, is because you're ignoring it yourself. There is no way you can be embracing and living who Christ has called you to be and embracing what he, is, he has made in you and given to you. There's no way you can embrace your Christian life and people around you ignore who you are and not know that about you. Let's not be ignored. Let's make that a challenge today to accept this challenge. God, convict us for being ignorable. And let's make sure we're not. And so he goes on. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side. Jesus knew the history of the lack of peace in Jerusalem, but he knew this day was coming in about 35 or 40 years. He knew this day was coming as well. And this day, the Romans were going to kind of get tired of Jerusalem and the Israelites. They were going to come in and they were going to just level all of Jerusalem. They were going to plunder, pillage. They were going to destroy all the the buildings. They were going to pretty much level everything they could about the whole city. And Jesus saw this coming and he said, this is what's about to happen. And he's standing over them weeping. They were trapped and they didn't know it. They were in a trap and they couldn't get out. They were in a trap and, and, and only Jesus could tell them the way out. They, they thought if we had a warrior, if we, you know, if we had another Samson or we had a David to lead us into battle, but they had the king of kings standing right there in and out of their city every day. But they couldn't receive him. They couldn't see him. He said, if you just know, and he, he was crying because he saw this happening and they, they were trapped and they needed to be set free, but they didn't just need to be set free. They needed to be helped to live free. You know, people that are trapped don't just need to be turned loose and let go. They need to be, they need to be taught how to live freedom because you know what a lot of us do, don't we? We get our freedom and then we give it right back. And that's why Jesus told a lot of times when he healed somebody, he said, now go and don't sin anymore because something worse might come on you if you just keep doing that. And we give, we give right back. The freedom that God has given us. We, we need to teach people. We do, people don't just need to be set free from sin. For a moment, they need to be taught how to live in the freedom that God has given to them. And the last thing he says, and he's gonna, they're going to come in, they're going to level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation, because you did not pay attention, you weren't watching, you didn't receive this, you didn't accept this. What is he, And he talks about the children. Doesn't talk about young adults, middle-aged adults, senior adults. He talks about the children. Why? And he's and he's weeping. And and in the middle of this, he says, "And your children within you, and your children within you." And he talks about the children. Well, children are an important part. No, they're not an important part. They are one of the main things about it all. You know, I I don't know exactly. I but let me tell you how I feel about it. And I think this was maybe what Christ was saying. You know what? There are kids out there, and, and every, place, every place that we go, when we run into kids, we find kids. These kids out there that like this, and the three missions that we're going to share with you, you're gonna, you're gonna if you just think about it in your mind, you'll know this is happening, is the kids out there, they don't get, kids don't get to choose which family they're born into. They don't get to choose whether they've got a mom and a dad. They don't get to choose whether they come from a whole family or a broken family as we call it. They don't get to choose whether they have enough money or even enough food to eat. that. They don't get to choose whether they go to bed hungry or not. They don't get to choose whether they've got some uh, disease in their genes that they're going to have by the time they're 30 years old. They don't get to choose. If they're living in a house that is full of drug addiction and alcoholism, they don't get to choose whether they're abused or not. And that's why I think when Christ looked down over the city and he saw these kids, he could probably just look at the adults and say, you know what, you've chosen this for yourself. And you're going to go down in destruction because you've chosen. But your kids... You say, but it's not just kids, is it? Well, wait a minute. I beg to differ. Because Mark, chapter ten, verse fourteen, when they brought, when people began bringing their kids for Jesus to pray over and bless them, the disciples said, "Oh no, y'all can't bother Jesus with these all these little kids." Jesus said, "Don't forbid these little. Let them come to me. Don't forbid these little children to come to me." But he went on past that, didn't he? He said, "Because of such is the kingdom of God. It's about the kids. It's got to be about the kids." It's got to be about the kids. And these are the things that were causing Jesus to break down and cry as he looked over the city. If these are the things that are touching Jesus' heart, then if we've been entrusted, if we've been entrusted with his mission and with, with his heart and with, and with his calling, with his, his uh, plan, if we've been entrusted with that, then we need to start crying over the same things. And starting, starting today, we've, we've chosen three missions. And we, we're, we're developing a missions team. Right now, we've got a skipper. We, we're developing a missions team. We've got some other people that we're talking to. We're waiting to hear back. Yes, I'm on board. Yes, I'm on board. Yes, I'm on board. A missions team. And this doesn't mean they're leaving the country. But it's a missions team to help us, help us get a focus on our missions again. Because we don't just need to be a giving church. You need to be a mission-minded person, individual Christian child of God. and Shannon Harbin is our skipper of the missions team. And we're just waiting for the rest of the pieces to come together. But starting right now today, we've chosen three missions to promote to you that we want you to get for the next 12 months. We want you to get a heart for a mission. We want to introduce these to you. Some of you know this first one. It's our, it's our foreign mission, something that we've been involved in. We've done several things with them already. And uh, I want to introduce these to you right now, share with you our foreign our national, and our local mission that we're going to be supporting over the next year and calling your attention to. Listen, open your, open your heart right now and say, God, let me be moved by the need in one of these missions, our foreign mission, Bread of Life.
1: When Cecil Pagel first visited in 2000, Brostony was a place that had seen much suffering and heartache. High unemployment, government waste, and the long-time abuses of dictator Nikolai Ceausescu left the country in shambles. Many orphans and widows were abandoned by family members who left the country to find jobs. The orphanage workers have found kids sleeping in train stations, begging at gas stations, and living in dilapidated buildings. In April of 2002, Bread of Life purchased an old mine worker dormitory, a large three-story building which over the last seven years has been home to 200 needy children, and each has been taught about the love of Jesus Christ. Daily, dozens of kids from all over the city come to the orphanage for a hot lunch to receive medical attention, to get a warm coat or shoes, and these, too, hear devotion about the love of God. Church 2911 has been a partner with Bread of Life since before the church was launched 18 months ago. We have supported them financially been involved in the summer food drive, Christmas shoe boxes, and in the fall of 2009, Church 2911 paid for a well to be dug, the only truly clean water in the whole city. Bread of Life needs continual financing to provide the hot meals, warm clothing, and housing for the 90 orphans housed there and the dozens more who come daily. For $25 per month, you can also sponsor an orphan, correspond with them, and take them under your wing for prayer and encouragement through regular correspondence. Church 2911 recommits our prayers, efforts and giving to the Bread of Life Orphanage in Brostini, Romania as our world missions effort.
0: Hey, would you celebrate with me what they're doing in Brostini? Amen. (laughs) Share with you real quickly if I can. Listen, we're connected with them because I know Cecil Pagel from my days back in Texas. And Cecil Pagel uh, was moved upon... uh, I spent too much time in the early service, and I don't have it. If you want to know, come ask me. I will tell you about why these kids are in such need. I'll tell you about why this nation is in such need. I'll, I'll tell you about how they've chained kids in the state-run orphanages to their cribs because they don't have enough people to watch the kids. These kids who live live in a crib. Now, in this country, we get mad when we stick a chicken or a calf in a box, and that's all they get to live in. But they were made to live in cribs, and they're deformed, and they're, they're crippled because they've never been able to get up and walk around. I said I wouldn't get into that too much. Ask me. I'll tell you about the atrocities that are there. And this, this mission, it meets the four criteria of the message I just preached to you. They have no peace. I don't know if you caught this, but many of the kids at this orphanage that we've been supporting since before we were a church, Church 2911, Many of these kids, their parents just simply abandoned them and left the country to try and find jobs in other countries. And they're still finding kids living in abandoned buildings. It's about bringing them peace, but it's about bringing them light. Uh, the, the three things they do is they run the orphanage. They, run, uh, they also minister to the uh, uh, widows in the neighborhood in the city of Brosny because these widows were also abandoned by their kids. Their husband died. Their kids abandoned them went to other countries, and so they ministered to the, to the widows there as well. And then they also provide a hot meal to as many kids as will come because they've, they've got all these kids that come. They'll have dozens of kids show up for a hot meal, for a hot lunch, and they, they feed them, but then they also share with them the message, the love of Jesus Christ. And then they, then they have to send them on their way. They, and these kids are like saying, would you please take me in? They were asked by these kids, would you please take me in? I want to live here too. And they have to send them away because if they, try, if they keep more than they've got beds for, the government will shut them down. So they're bringing the light not just to the 90-something kids that they've actually got beds for, but to everybody in the city. And trapped, yeah, they've been trapped. But here's what they're doing: is they're teaching these kids, they're giving them life skills, and they're making sure they go into school and getting an education, and getting vocational training to be able to live their life beyond that as well. They're getting them out of the trap. They're teaching them how to live in their freedom. They're doing they're doing all of that. But then it's also about the kids. That's really what it's about. And the cool thing is about even when they minister to the widows, one of the things they do is they've got they've got a farm and they raise. The biggest thing they raise is most of what they raise is potatoes because potatoes are, are cheap, fun, easy. You know, They fill up. Everybody likes them, all of that. And so what they do is they actually let the kids work the farm and then they help, let the kids help deliver the potatoes so the kids realize they're connected and they're doing ministry as well. So it fulfills all four of the criteria of what Jesus Christ wept over. And so I want to encourage you to pray about being involved and, and connecting with them. Uh, and you can get a card. One of the, a couple other things that were mentioned. One was mentioned there is, is, uh, you can sponsor a kid. We sponsor a kid at this orphanage, $25 a month. And it's not so much the $25 that helps them so much, but you can send them special gifts. You can correspond with them. You can pray over them. You can say, Hey, I prayed this for you today. They can tell you what they need. They can share with you. Uh, and then the other thing is a shoebox. We're starting this today. You've got like two weeks to get your shoeboxes together. The cards are back there on the table. They look just like this. You can go find one. It tells you everything you need to do. Most of you have seen this or you've done it before in the past. We've done it here. We're doing it again this year because we want to help them provide. And, you know, here's the thing is they don't just provide Christmas shoeboxes for the 90-something kid. They provide Christmas for every kid in Brostini that they possibly can. And they can not do that without a lot of help. So get that as well. So pray about this. Think about this. Maybe God's moving on your heart right now. This is the place your heart needs to be connected for your missions giving. Now let me introduce you to our national uh, missions uh, that we want to support, and this is Battle Cry Resolutions.
1: Eight years ago, while on a missions trip to South Dakota, Vance and Tracy Bishop were forever changed as they felt the call of God to return as ministers to Native Americans on the Standing Rock Indian Reservation. The history of the Lakota Sioux Indians is one of beauty but also of despair. The many years of living on the reservation has taken a great toll on them. The alcoholism rate is at 80%, drug use is at 80%, 30% are homeless, and the suicide rate is 300% higher than the national average. Many homes need windows, doors, and heating repairs. People have been found in their homes frozen to death. First, Vance and Tracy planted the Vision Harvest Cowboy Church as a base from which to operate. This church also reaches out to unchurched farmers and ranchers, and just two weeks ago they purchased a permanent building. Presently, they hold regular Bible studies, do repair work on homes, and build relationships with the goal of planting a church among the Native Americans. They have had two large outreaches and done numerous work projects in the community, including rebuilding a walk bridge over the river in Bullhead after one person fell through it. Vance writes from South Dakota, The greatest need here is Jesus Christ. Without the love of Christ, these people will continue to perish, to do the only things they know, drugs, alcohol, and Indian religion, which is dark and hopeless. They have heard preachers for hundreds of years, It is time they see the Bible in action. It is time they feel the true, unconditional love of God. It is time that somebody stands by these people and loves them right where they are. Church 2911 commits our prayers, efforts, and giving to battle cry resolutions in Bullhead, South Dakota, as our national mission effort.
0: Let's celebrate what God is doing already through them. This is a this is a brand new brand new uh, ministry, and uh, Vance and Tracy just up there on mission trip said somebody's got to minister to them. And that's the cool thing is man, there, there's been all kind of churches go through, been all kind of evangelists go through, go in and preach a weekend or a couple of weeks or something. Somebody's got to go up there and live with them and show them Jesus Christ. And Vance and Tracy have done that. Uh, does it f- fulfill the the criteria? Yeah. These people have no peace. 300% higher suicide rate than the national average. They have no peace. Do do they need the light? Are they blinded? Yeah. I mean, their religion there, the the Indian religion, I don't know how much you know about it, but you and I would liken it very close to something like witchcraft. It's a very dark thing. Uh, Are they trapped? Yeah, they're trapped into this. It's hard for them to get out. It's hard for them to get off the reservation and get a good enough education to really make any money. They're dependent on the government, which isn't a lot of help. They're dependent on the tribal councils, which Vance tells me they basically ignore these people. People are dying, freezing to death in their homes, not walking down the street, in their homes, freezing to death. And one of the things they're doing in reaching out to the community is just replacing windows and doors in the homes just so people know they're not going to freeze to death before before, uh, daylight they can't break out of this tribal councils advanced over just ignoring their you know the needs that they have and they need someone to do this and, and that fourth criteria is the kids, oh yeah, the kids uh, go back and get one of these you can see just several pictures of the kids that are there that they're ministering to you saw might have seen a few pictures there, there's even more go to the website you can see even more of that here, here here's here's this cool thing though is if I said today. God needs to call somebody out of this group right here to go live in South Dakota and minister to them. Everybody's stomach starts tightening up right now, huh? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-oh, I don't know if I can do that, but here's the cool thing. That's not what we're talking about today. God doesn't call us to go to places he hasn't given us a heart for. I mean, if he calls you to go do something, you're you're gonna be head over heels excited about going because that's the thing God gifted you and your family for, and that's... Vance and Tracy are. This is what God has gifted them for. And so God's not asking us to go there and to to move our families up. He's already moved a family up. And the connection is, well, Vance's dad, Cliff Bishop, is a member of Church 2911. If you want to know any more about that, ask him. I'm sure he can share with you. I heard some guys talking about deer hunting in between the services. And I said, y'all need to plan a missions trip right now. To go up because let me tell you i saw some pictures on the website of a trailer load of deer they had brought home from one hunting trip so you know just the things and the awesomeness up there they they need and i want to encourage you they need people praying for them supporting them financially and some work teams and uh cliff and i've already talked about trying to put a, together a work team he's willing to put together a work team for next summer to go in and help them they've got this new building. $8,000 for that building. Now, it needs a lot of work. It's got a brand new metal roof on it, but it needs a lot of work. They need the finances to do that. They need some, they need some help pulling that building together. They've already, they've already planted a church as their base to go into the Indian Reservation, a place that they can go in from there and they can minister to the people in the Indian Reservation. And now, like the next steps, are just keep building that favor so they can eventually plant a church on the Indian Reservation to really reach the Native American uh, Lakota Sioux that are there. Uh, in Standing Rock Indian Reservation. So let me encourage you, pray, open your heart right now and say, God, is this a mission that I need to connect with? Is this something that, that touches my heart? God, just, just help me in this. I, I, I want you to connect with one of these today. So, so the third one now, introduce you to our local missions. In
1: 1994, at 79 years of age, John Glasser founded an in-school literacy tutoring program. As the program extended into 20 counties across Alabama, he came to realize that many of the kids they were helping had never been in a church or heard the gospel. As a result, in 2003, Discovery Clubs of Alabama was begun as a pilot program at Gate City Elementary School in Birmingham. With 14 volunteers from a local church, they began ministering to 40 children one day a week after school. They share the gospel and lessons on life values with children as well as sharing themselves through their time and affection. Today, they reach over 1,000 kids in grades 2 through 5 in 11 public schools. And this year, Discovery Clubs has invitations from 18 schools to hold clubs in their schools. With enough financial support and volunteers, they can reach many more children with the message of the love of Jesus Christ. To do that, they need the support of Christians and their churches. Volunteers are needed to work new clubs, and the funds to sponsor kids and provide curriculum and supplies are also needed. Presently, the only school in our area with a Discovery Club is Fultondale Elementary. That can change when someone in our area decides to help make it happen. Because from its inception, Discovery Club's goal has been to be in all Birmingham area schools. Reaching thousands of elementary school children that do not know Jesus Christ. Church 2911 commits our prayers, efforts, and giving to Discovery Clubs of Alabama as our local missions effort.
0: Let's celebrate what they're doing already in our schools around us. I don't know if you know or not, but before pastoring here, you know, we've, we've pastored and we've been involved with youth work a lot, but before coming here and, and uh, relaunching uh, this church as Church 2911. Uh, I served with uh, as state, state director for First Priority, which is a, a type of club thing for kids, teens in high schools. And we were looking for, and uh, we didn't really understand or know that much about Discovery Clubs. We were looking for a partner in elementary schools. And I'd heard a little bit about it, but I did not know anything really about it until Shannon invited us. Shannon used to work with Discovery Clubs, and she still does, she still does some stuff for them in their promotions. She invited Dave and I to go to a banquet just a couple, a couple of weeks ago on a Friday night, and so I could hear more. And also, I uh, went on their website and just just lo- watched a lot of videos and and read a lot about it, and uh, to learn more about what's going on. And I, and I thought I thought then I said maybe this will be our local missions that we can support, giving us a foreign, a national, and local mission. John Glasser, when he's seventy nine years old, founded this literacy pro- project. And then when he was 89 years old, he started Discovery Clubs, 89 years old, 89 years old, and he retired last year at the age of 93. This was his heart. And I am praying somebody here today, you would have the same heart, that they're reaching 1,000 a a thousand or more kids every week now in the 11 schools that they've been in for this past year. And this year they had invitations from 18 elementary schools in the greater Birmingham area to come in and bring Discovery Clubs. I'd like to see it in Mount Olive Elementary. Ages 2 through 5 is what what they focus on. I'd like to see it in in Garderdale. I'd like to see it it in in all of our schools around here. But it's going to take somebody who's willing to give. It's going to take somebody also who's willing to volunteer. And you can go back and read about the volunteering a little bit back there. There's a card back there for you to fill out if you want more information. Does it meet our four criteria? Yeah, let's go back to those kids. The peace. What they live in. Uh, this used to, it used to grip me. But when I was a state youth director and we ran camps, and uh, especially on the last night, we'd have those kids, you know, all week long, we had provided a Christian environment for those kids. And, it, and you know, it, it just hit me on that Thursday night, the last service we would have of those kids. I would think, we're about to send some of these kids back into abusive relationships. We, we've get, gotten them out of their homes where they've been sexually and physically abused for four days. We're about to send them back into that. Some of these kids have been fed the best food they've had—camp food—in all these years, and we're about to send them back to hunger. You know, and it's the same thing. Every school you go to, you get into any classroom. You know, I i have i have encouraged this a lot of people. Just pray over the school. So, you pass a junior high school, pray that the spirit of suicide be bound today, because there's a. If you pass a middle school, there is a kid in there thinking about suicide that day. Every class you go into, every elementary class, that's those same kids. The kids I was talking about earlier, they didn't choose to live in the poverty they live in. Their parents, their lazy parents did. Or, you know, they didn't choose to, to, to not to not have enough to eat last night. Their parents did. They didn't choose to grow up in a, in a home that's full of drug abuse and alcoholism. They didn't choose that. Their parents have chosen that. Discovery clubs is, is giving those kids a chance, so is it bringing some yeah, it's bringing some peace, it 's bringing some light as well because they 're talking to them about Jesus. Some of you thought prayer and Bible was outlawed in school didn 't you? No, the Supreme Court protects it. It just has to be done in a certain way, and Discovery Clubs is one of those one of those uh, ministries that has found the way to do it and do it within the law and do it in a way that has impacted kids they 're bringing light they're also they 're also not just doing that but they 're finding a way to not just uh, set them free from. You know, from their sin, but also teaching them how to live free because they're spending an hour with them every week. It's not a quick devotion, send them on their way. They're spending an hour with them every week and they're teaching them uh, life skills as well, teaching them how to live their life, how to live their freedom. And it's all about, this one's all about the kids. So yeah, it meets all four criteria. Now, I could talk, honestly, I could talk to you for another hour about all three of these missions. If you want more information, just ask. We've got a lot of information back there on the table. Uh, please, please go by and pick up something, whatever's on your heart today. If you want more information about Discovery Clubs, talk to Shannon. She's the expert on that because she's worked with them. She knows what they do, how they do it. If you want to know more about that. But if you want to know more, I, I could spend, you know, if you had time, if you got time you want to ask me, I'll tell you what's going on in these missions. And I could spend an hour talking easily talking about each one of them. And here's the thing that's different. We're we're trying to take our missions program up a notch here at 2911. This is not where we want to be. This is just a step in the right direction, okay? This next step is this, that you personally get a heart for missions. I don't want you to write a $1,000 check today and hand it to me and say, use it wherever you feel like it. No, that's not what I want you to do. I want you to write a check where your heart connects today. We've given you three options. I want you to write a check and put down the bottom of that four line, put down one of these. Bread of life, battle cry, or discovery clubs. If you've got cash you want to give cash, take an envelope. There's envelopes there in front of you and write write on it. Discovery Clubs, Battle Cry, or Bread of Life. Write one of those on it. I want it the important thing is that you start getting hard. You know, we we could give a thousand dollars today and bless them, and we'd be just like all those All those preachers that have just run up into South Dakota for a little while, bless the Indians, and run back out. What's more important is that you get a heart for missions, and you give what you can today, but you continue to give. You you connect to this thing, and and you begin to give. And when we remind you, maybe weekly or monthly or something, we remind you, don't forget your mission. When you write your tithe check, don't forget to add a little something. Write down which one of these is your connection. We're going to be promoting these for the next year. Start today. Join us. Get the heart for one of these is going to come at this time I'm want to pray with you for a moment because I want you I want you to get ready to give and I want to make sure you've had the time listen if God's already spoken to you start writing your check now if he speaks to you and listen it shouldn't be a big thing for God to speak you one of these has got to have connected with your heart and said that's something that I really feel strong about. go ahead and write your check right now or, or drop it and please everyone give if you don't if you didn't come prepared we we tried to remind you last week to do this but you didn't come prepared uh you know I, Ask me, I'll loan you a dollar, a five, a 10, 20, whatever. You know, I want everybody to give something. Again, this is important. You need to be a giver, okay? So, so borrow, borrow a dime, borrow, borrow a quarter say, if, you, if you can't do anything, kids. And you be involved in this too. Everybody be involved in giving something.